Broadcasting from the Hip Hop Weekly Studios, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Civic Cipher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am. I'm actually very certain of that, by the way. I know it sounds like I was thinking about it. I'm sure. He's Ramses Ja. I am still Q Ward. Um, unless somebody offers me a ridiculous amount of money to pay <laughs> that, I think I'm going to remain Q Ward and, you know. You tuned in to Civic Cipher on purpose, I hope. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I like that. I like starting off a little bit of humor because we're going to be talking about a couple of steps back that we've had to take. Uh, and those will become very clear if you haven't been you know, plugged into the media uh, or the news cycle the way that we have. So stay tuned. We're going to be discussing uh, an incident in Mississippi of police brutality and overreach um, and really trying to understand the relationship that police have with the community in particular black people and why it's so supportive um so we're going to tell you a story some folks who had authority lined authority from a good amount of this country and what can happen when you turn these type of people loose if they are not vetted and on and on and on we're also going to be talking about the supreme court supreme court has been tripping lately um, and there is no more affirmative action. A lot of people might think affirmative action was unfair. It was, it allowed people to access, um, places and, and positions that they weren't qualified for. And it's mm. really not true. Yeah, that's definitely um, not so true. we're going to explain what it was and what we've lost and how we lost it and hopefully how we can remain vigilant and push back. And then, of course, we have lots of other things to talk about on today's show. But first and foremost, like we always do at this time, it's time for some Ebony Excellence. How does that sound to you, Q? Shall we? We shall. So, today's Ebony Excellence is sponsored by Major Threads for the finest in men's sportswear. Check MajorThreads.com. Today, we're talking about Busta Rhymes. Busta Bust. Yes. Ebony Excellence. Uh, For those that saw the recent BET Awards. Um, he has finally gotten credit for his contributions, like significant credit for his contributions to hip-hop, and it's well-deserved. And I think that how he chose to receive that award certainly is a, is, is above and beyond what our, should, our typical Ebony Excellence would be. So I'll read. Um, Buster Rhymes has been honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award at the 2023 BET Awards, he took the opportunity to impart some OG wisdom on the rap game during his rousing acceptance speech, taking the stage to rapturous applause and a standing ovation inside the Los Angeles Microsoft Theater on Sunday night. The 51-year-old rap legend reflected on his trailblazing career while calling for more unity and positivity in hip-hop. Busta's powerful speech began on an emotional note as he became overwhelmed with the love and adoration from inside the room. I'm aware it on my sleeve. I do want to cry, he said, before removing his sunglasses and wiping the tears from his eyes, prompting more cheers of support from the audience. I believe this comes from uh, BET.com. And on top of that, the way that this man articulated his journey, the way that he shouted out the people that supported him, the way that he acknowledged how his children motivated him and helped frame kind of the plight for not just him, but a lot of black men. And men, you know, all men, I believe, have a similar plight, um, especially if they have children. Uh, 
just remarkable. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. Check it out. All right. So we're going to talk about the police. <laughs> we talk about the police a lot on this show. Uh, for longtime listeners, you know this already. Um, but the show continues to grow, so we are always ending up with new listeners around the country, and we appreciate everyone. Today, we're going to spend a moment to talk about policing again. Um, I famously am very critical of the way policing is done in this country. That is not to say that I'm critical of police officers. I believe that the systems that uphold policing in this country um, have gaping holes that attract violent individuals, um, bullies, um, etc. And obviously some normal, well-meaning, well-intentioned folks as well. The environment, once a pol- police officer is hired, uh, allows police to hold themselves to a different standard than they would hold the general public. Um, that blue wall of silence, you know, people trying to rewrite stories, lying. You know, they, these people uphold, they, they take an oath to, to uphold the law, and then they're caught lying constantly, constantly. Even good officers are forced by that brotherhood, quote-unquote, and that blue wall of silence to either lie or commit lies of omission to cover up for police misconduct. It, it happens. This is not me exaggerating at all. So not just the hiring practices, but the culture. And then all of this being constantly supported blindly by the general public, as though the general public doesn't deserve better and better and even better still versions of policing if we're in fact paying for it. We deserve better and better politicians. We deserve better and better judges. We deserve better and better police officers, firefighters. And so forth. Um, these 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 um, institutions are not subject to the influence of capitalism. Capitalism, for better or worse, um, or one of its benefits, I should say, it really does inspire innovation. I have to be fair. Capitalism and innovation are kind of hand in hand. At the expense of human beings. I, I believe that's where I would draw the line. But yeah, that, I mean, part of the, the problem, even with the innovation, it tends to be more based on things that we want. Not what we need. Not what we need. Sure, sure. But the fact is, is that capitalism uh, inspires innovation. And so in every part of our life, our phones, the type of air conditioner we buy, we don't expect it to be the same air conditioner that we had that was on the market 20 years ago, Right. By a refrigerator, by anything, doesn't matter. We expect there to be growth, um, but with policing, because it's not subject to the forces of capitalism, there's no competition for policing. It's not like there's police and then there's like same with our education system. Exactly, you understand. So these th- these 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 institutions that lie beyond the scope and beyond the influence of capitalism, people are surprisingly just okay with how things are. And for policing in particular, now there's been this alignment of policing with like deeply 
patriotic, deeply conservative people in this country. Along the lines of support the troops, police are now like first responders, and now that includes firemen. So, you know, that flag with the blue line, it's like a black and white flag, and then there's the blue line. There's a version of that where it's a black and white flag and a red line meant to support firefighters and the one green line meant to support border patrol people and so forth and so on. In other words, the flag that's supposed to exist, you know, in these people's minds as a way of supporting troops and, and armed servicemen, the flag belongs to everybody, by the way, but in these folks mind now they've made versions of the flag and kind of pledge allegiance to these folks blindly and they, they ignore their, their capacity to innovate and grow and be better, right? This is our demand here. I do want to say this. Um, for folks who've listened for the past few years to this show, you understand that I've mentioned some names on this show. Um, I only use their first names because I want to protect them, but Officer Kevin, Suzanne, Daniel, um, people in my community here, humans who happen to be officers, great humans. I believe them to be good people. That doesn't mean that they're not as susceptible to the forces and the influences of police culture, but on the front end, insofar as I can tell, based on what I know of them, good people. And there's obviously officers where a lot of that nonsense goes to their head and they feel like they exist above the level of people, like they're a judge, jury, executioner. That's what we're going to talk about in today's story. And I want you to ask yourself why this is happening, why this particular story happened, and why a good chunk of people in this country don't feel like it's necessary to, for us to question police misconduct. So... This is Maggie B. Noen, and we'll be right back with more Civic Cipher after a quick break. Hi, I'm Dr. Miranda Melcher, host of the Just Access podcast. We bring you amazing interviews from the world of human rights and access to justice, from Dunja Miatovic, Council of Europe Commissioner for Human Rights, to Liz Evenson, International Justice Director at Human Rights Watch. Whether you're a law student or legal professional, human rights activist, or just want to stay up to date on what's happening with the world, the Just Access podcast is your go-to for inspirational stories and fascinating discussions about the state of human rights today. Search for Just Access on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Not not all of that blind support. You know, I imagine more than you'd imagine, more than you'd factor of that support is not based on racism. A lot of people have been indoctrinated to believe more police does mean more safe. Sure. Yeah. More police does mean less crime. More <laughs> police does mean I'm more protected. Yeah. And I heard someone recently, somebody I know, somebody that I care about talking to their children about why a particular part of the country or a particular part of town was more dangerous. And it was triggering to hear him say it's because that part of that part of town or that part of something, I can't remember the exact words, but he equated it to being not policed heavily. Enough. I was <laughs> like, Oh, and this is somebody that I know. 
yeah. to, to his bones is not racist. Yeah. Does not see black and think criminal, but yeah. he does think police means safer. Sure. Yeah. A police means are. more law abiding. Police means less crime will happen. If there are more police, give them more money and we train them better. And I was just like, wow, so many people are that misinformed. And they believe that to their core. They don't think that there's anything wrong with the way that they feel and the way that they see that. So if you listening right now, if you feel that way, or if you know someone who feels that way, more police equals more safety. I want you to imagine the most crime-free neighborhood that you can possibly imagine. Um, and what you will, pro where your mind will probably go is a neighborhood where there's tons of mansions and everybody, you know what I mean? Because there's not police on every corner there. Go to Compton, there's police everywhere, right? Go to the worst part of and any, whatever, there's police everywhere. So police presence doesn't, police presence doesn't necessarily mean less crime. Talib Kweli had a bar in one of his songs, I can't remember right now, but I loved it. He says, I'm going to paraphrase because he used some words that I can't use on the radio, but he says, um, brothers don't sell drugs because they like to see blacks smoke. Brothers sell drugs because they broke. Right. And I think that sums it up entirely. Wealth. More often than not will shape activities certainly um criminal activities in a different part of town and more police doesn't change that if you don't have any money you got a family for you gonna do whatever it takes to feed a family there's many people in jail <laughs> because they was like i was trying to feed my family not because even I was if you're just trying to feed yourself sure even if you don't have a family you're, sure. you're starving you know, i heard somebody say once upon a time if you have food and water and i have guns and bullets then I have then food. I have food and water. <laughs> That's not a criminal thing. That is a kind of survival of the fittest thing. I'm stronger and more powerful, or not. If I just want it more than you, you have it, and I don't have it. There are people who have a by any means necessary approach to their own survival. That's yeah. a human primal response to being alive any any creature with a nervous system not just a human anything that can ensure its own survival we're hardwired biologically to do that i want to share something else too so a good number of people that are in jails it's not just black people a lot of these people are poor a lot of these people that are arrested in the criminal justice system a lot of them are poor and homeless and the crazy thing is i i put a meme up the other day and it says what's the difference between a prisoner of war and a homeless person. And the answer is, under the Geneva Convention, a prisoner of war is entitled to, to food, shelter, and medical care. This person is not. Medical care is critical because a lot of homeless people are not medicated or self-medicating and on and on and on. When you criminalize the drugs and blah, blah, blah. So there's this runaway effect that is not often talked about in circles like that, leading to this story that we're talking about now. Forgive me for building a framework um, so thoroughly, but it's, it's important because we're going to share basically a story about police violence, and I want you to have the proper framework to receive it. Um, I'm going to read from CBS News. 
Um, well, first, I, I told you a bit about the story. Basically, police rushed into a house, beat up a bunch of people, did some really gross and vile things to them, and they were subsequently arrested. So that's where this reading comes from. All right. CBS News. All five Mississippi deputy sheriffs who responded to an incident in which two black men accused the deputies of beating and sexually assaulting them before shooting one of them in the mouth have been fired or resigned, authorities announced uh, Tuesday. Now, um, real quick, I want to make sure that when I say shooting in the mouth, I want you to know that this wasn't a shooting from across the room because the officer was, quote unquote, scared and the bullet happened to hit him in the mouth. Oh, no. He put the gun into put the, the gun guy's in mouth, the guy's mouth yeah. and then shot. Like almost like an execution style shooting. Okay. Police did this. Okay. All right. The announcement comes months after Michael Corey Jenkins and his friend Eddie Terrell Parker said deputies from the Rankin Sheriff's County Department burst into a home without a warrant. The men said deputies beat them, assaulted them with a sex toy, and shocked them repeatedly with tasers in a roughly 90 minute period during the January 24th episode. Jenkins and Parker said Jenkins said one of the deputies shoved a gun in his mouth and then fired the weapon, leaving him with serious injuries to his face, tongue and jaw. The Justice Department opened a civil rights investigation into the Rankin County Sheriff's Department after the episode. Rankin County Sheriff Brian Bailey announced Tuesday that deputies involved in the episode had been fired and some had already resigned. Bailey's announcement also follows an Associated Press investigation uh, that found several deputies who were involved in the episode were also linked to at least four violent encounters with black men since 2019 that left two dead and another with lasting injuries. Deputies who had been accepted into the Sheriff's Office Special Response Team, a tactical unit whose members receive advanced training, advanced training, <laughs> were involved in each of the four encounters. Deputies said the raid was prompted by a report of drug activity at the home. Police and court records obtained by the by the Associated Press revealed the identities of two deputies at the Jenkins raid, Hunter Elward and Christian Deadman. It wasn't immediately clear whether any of the deputies had attorneys who could comment on their behalf. Um, okay, so I want to stop right here. There's a little bit more, but I want to stop right here. Um, so these officers... Tased. They first off, they didn't have any videos, and they all their video of cameras. Of course, their body yeah, cams. Were off. They turn off their body cams. Yeah. Um, to me, that suggests premeditated. They knew that's what they were going to do, and felt like they could get away with it because they have yeah. the support of the people. And there's no way that all four or all five, five yeah. body cams malfunctioned that day simultaneously. And they turned them all off. Now, here's the thing. Um, what corroborated the story of the men who filed suit, we're going to get to that in a second. What corroborated that story is the tasers keep a record of how many times they're deployed. And in that 90-minute period, the tasers were deployed dozens of times on these guys. Um, obviously, like they said, they were beaten, abused with a sex toy. One of them was shot in the mouth, you know, on and on. And you have to start thinking what set of circumstances makes police feel like they can get away with this. What, and, and the short answer of it 
and, and the short is not as thorough as I'd like it to be, but the short answer of it is that the police are using you and your fear to prop themselves up higher, to get more money, and to abuse that power, particularly when it comes to black people, brown people, poor people. And the hiring practices and the blind support and the, the culture that exists in police departments across this country fosters this toxic environment. And again, they're not subjected to the forces of capitalism. They don't need to innovate. They can keep singing the same song and dance. They need better training. They need better this and that and the other. And it doesn't work. It's been this way for 50 years. Yeah. I mean, you know, our police departments have a monopoly on law enforcement. There you go. There is no competitor. There you go. They don't have to be good at their jobs to not only be paid, but rewarded. Right. And get an annual pay bump. There you go. And even when all the evidence shows we'd all be better off spent the money elsewhere to actually prevent the necessity of crime that actually has measurable outcomes i said it before i'll say it again opening qualitative and quantitative outcomes exactly but i want to make sure that i say this and this is something you can look up yourself opening a daycare and making it free to a community of poor people shapes criminal outcomes crime statistical outcomes better than hiring new police officers. It's fact, it's documented, it's well-documented. And if people really wanted to make an impact on crime rates, you would think, well, let's just open more daycares. But again, they use fear, your fear. If you're hearing my voice, they're using your fear to be able to not only do things like this, but keep doing things like this. And the people who get the worst end of it is us. That's not to say that other communities um, don't have to deal with that too, but you know, we get the worst of it and we, we have a show and a microphone and we're talking about it. I want to, uh, finish reading this, um, in a phone interview Tuesday, Jason Deere, an attorney representing the Rankin County Sheriff's department said the department knows of five deputies who conducted the Jenkins raid. Jenkins and his attorney have said six de deputies were at the home. All five identified, uh, by the department were either resigned or fired. Um, there is no body camera footage of the episode. Records obtained by the AP show that tasers used by the deputies were turned on, turned off, or used dozens of times during a roughly 65-minute period before Jenkins was shot. Jenkins and Parker have also filed a federal civil rights lawsuit seeking $400 million in damages. Um, and again, that's from CBS News. Uh, you're welcome to go and check this out and read a little bit more about it. Um, but I need you to follow me here. And this is part of the reason why we had to develop your mind so that you could receive this story. Now follow this. Um, suspected drug raid, right? A lot of people are like, oh, well, then there were suspected drug dealers. They probably were selling drugs, right? That's, that's, I mean, this is how we are. I don't love it either. But the truth is, I've been a victim of that too. I've been there. We, we, Yes. Shout right. out to the drug dog that smelled drugs in my new car. Yeah. In Mississippi. For those that don't know the story, check out a couple of older episodes. Q and I have a great story getting pulled over in Mississippi in a new car. And the police, for no reason, by the way, and the police wanted to make a big deal out of it. So they snatched us out of the car, and got the dogs. And it's this whole story. You'd love it. Anyway. Um, I want you to imagine what it would be like 
to be in a position in your life where, okay, maybe life didn't come together for me the way that I wanted. Most folks would, would probably say that, most people. You know, when you were little, you probably wanted to go to the NBA or be an astronaut or be a movie star or a hundred different things. And most of those things probably didn't happen, right? It's just the way the world is. That's fine, okay? But just like you, nobody as a child says, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be criminal. Nobody says I want to be a drug dealer. You know, it's not something to aspire to. I want to live in fear that someone's going to rob me and have to look over my shoulder. All that. Nobody says that. Okay. But let's say whatever circumstances don't come together the way that you want. You're ambitious. You have a family to take care of. And you end up in that situation. So giving the conservative folks who conservative minded the benefit of the doubt, I want you to put yourself in that position. Okay. So here's where I am. I got to sell drugs, right? The police come into your house and they arrest you. That's fair. I was doing this. I took this risk. I took this chance. I knew this could happen. And that's fair. But even, imagine even in that case, though, there should be a warrant. It, yeah, sure. Sure. That's where I'm going. Now, imagine the police kick in the door, torture you for 90 minutes and then shoot you in the mouth like an execution. And then go on with their lives. Is that not a gross overreach of the police? And I feel like that is a question that can best be answered if you put yourself in that situation. Mm. Do me that favor. 